0: Well, good morning. Um, Before we answer those, let's go ahead and pray. Dear Father, thank you so much for this morning. God, you are so faithful, and you are so good, and you are so kind, and you love us so much. We are grateful. Lord, now as we come before your word, I just pray that you will use this time in our lives, that we will be made to be more like your son, Jesus. Lord, I pray your Holy Spirit will be working in our lives to teach us and correct us. Thank you, God, for loving us and being our God. In Jesus' name. So we're going to go through the disciplines. Now you have filled out what you thought were the right answers. Now you can correct yourself if you need to. So, the Wellspring Purpose, to equip and encourage the women of Grace Bible Church to shepherd their hearts toward Jesus Christ with the Word of God so that they live gospel, Transform lives, thus strengthening the church in its gospel purpose. Discipline one, the heart. She prayerfully shepherds her heart toward God through the Word of God and, in particular, the gospel. Discipline two, the home. She ministers to those in her household with her heart for God and the gospel. Discipline three, ministry. With a heart for God and the gospel and fulfilling her ministry within her household, she steps into the church to shepherd others toward God and the gospel and then the theme verse for wellspring above all else guard your heart for it is the wellspring of life Proverbs 4.23 I don't know you'll have to ask Chris so how did you guys do You can, pretty good. Okay. Um, I Those blank words are very important. And so I just, I thought it would be fun to see, you know, because I know you guys like they do on Saturday, flip over your notebook every week and go through the disciplines. And I thought, I know how easy things are to just become rote. And so I thought, let's see how we did. So, that was my torture for this moment. So, this morning, um, we're going to take a look at bearing God's image as biblical women. And... Over the next two weeks, so I'll be here this week and next week, and we're just going to look at women. Um, what does God's Word say about women? And one of the starting places is looking at how we bear God's image. And today, we are faced with all kinds of new issues that 10 years ago We never would have even dreamed of. We've got parents who are bringing up their, and I heard of two cases recently, and I'm confident, unfortunately, that there's more. Parents bringing up their daughters as sons because a seven-year-old is saying, well, I'm not really a boy, I'm a girl, and vice versa. We have, you know, obviously the, um, the gender wars are everywhere. I mean, we hear about, you know, there's gender ambiguity going around. Men don't know if they're men, women don't know if they're women, boys don't know if they're boys, girls don't know if they're girls. And there is a war raging on. The other component, which I think we have seen very recently, if, who's, raise your hand if you've watched any of the Olympics. Okay, pretty much most everybody has. Super Bowl, did you watch that? Okay, the commercials. They have put homosexual couples in, just kind of sneak it in there and say, this is the new you. That's I think Chevrolet's new motto is the new something. And that's what it's showing is two men with kids and that's the new family. I mean, there's a TV show, Modern Family, with a homosexual couple. All of that, it's all of this gender war stuff that's going on. And I think it is in our face. We, we're the ones that are, we're, it's said that we're intolerant, we're unloving, we're judgmental. And I personally think it's going to get worse and worse and worse and harder and harder to stand for truth. Um, but should we be surprised? No. Romans 1 tells us that the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and the unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness because that which is known about God is evident within them for God made it evident evident to them and then it goes on to say professing to be wise they became fools and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man and of birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures and be listening today for the word image just like you heard in that last verse they exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man And then it talks about the downward spiral. For this reason, God gave them over to degrading passions, for their women exchanged the natural function for that which is unnatural. And in, in the same way, also the men abandoned the natural function of the woman and burned in their desire toward one another, men with men committing indecent acts and receiving in their own persons the due penalty of their error. And just as they did not see to See fit to acknowledge God any longer. God gave them over to a depraved mind to do those things which are not proper. And the last part of of that section of scripture, it says, um, And although they know the ordinance of God, that those who practice such things are worthy of death, they not only do the same, but also give hearty approval to those who practice them. And we are seeing that in the church today. Both of the instances that I told you about of the parents bringing up their son as a daughter, that person, it was on a radio talk show, I heard it. She said, I'm a Christian. The other one that I know of, it's a friend of a friend who's, and they profess they are a Christian. It's in the church. You know, we've got churches that Say they are, I mean, they are reformed in their heritage and they've got a rainbow, which doesn't mean God's promise to us. It means everybody's welcome, it's all inclusive, and oh, by the way, if you don't agree with us, you're the unloving one. And so we're in a, I believe we're in a war. I think understanding what God's word says about our being made in the image of God helps clear some of it up and gives us a strong footing. So from the first pages of scripture in Genesis 1:26 and 27, God says, let us make man in our image. And again, there's that word image, according to our likeness. And that's another word to be listening for. So the word image and likeness, it's throughout scripture. You'll find image 58 times in the New American Standard and the word likeness 27 times. And it's interesting where you see it. Um, If you get time, go on Blue Letter Bible and type in the word image and then look at all the verses. I I did that in preparing for this and it was fascinating. Um, Same with the word likeness. And just see what, what God's word says about image and likeness. And I just wanted to point out on the ten, at the ten commandments, the first three commandments speak of not making a likeness. Well, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and read them to you. Then God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery. The first commandment, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol or any likeness of what is in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the water under the earth. The second one, you shall not worship them or serve them for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children on the third and the fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing loving kindness to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. And the third one, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not leave him unpunished who takes his name in vain. All three of those commands deal with who God is, his image, and and so it's important to God and from the notes um, in the Holman Bible on, on that section of scripture they say not to make an idol ran counter to every instinct of ancient near eastern cultures but to do so is an affront to a jealous God. God is concerned to protect the integrity of his relationship with his people if the Israelites made idols to worship it would be an act of hatred disloyalty and repudiation just think of the golden calf You know, Moses is up there on the mountain and within I think it's like 24 hours they're down there gathering their jewelry and their stuff and making a golden calf so that's God's image is important and who he is and so as we're kind of working our way to where we're going we're still in the intro Um, it's important to understand we are made in his image but it's important to understand what he says about who he is and how you will have no other gods before me one of the things that helped me as I was trying to understand because I think being made in the image of God we kind of I do, I won't say you guys do but I do, I kind of throw that out, I'm made in the image of God like I know what that means I was like, well do I? so in preparing for this um, one of the sources I used is Gruden's systematic theology and so I'm going to just share with you what he said because it seemed to kind of help me get my brain around it a little bit because really when you think about it being made in the image of God that's like that's that's incredible when you think about it and so here's what grudem says out of all the creatures god made only one creature man is said to be made in the image of god what does that mean we may use the following definition the fact that man is in the image of god means that man is like god and represents god When scripture reports that God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and it's Genesis 1.26 it simply would have meant to the original readers let us make man to be like us and represent us. And some of the ways, and this is not at all an all-inclusive list I think you could probably study this for a year Um, some of the ways that we're like God, it's We're morally accountable to God, so we have a moral sense. We have a sense, an inner sense of right and wrong. Spiritually, we we um, we're we're spiritual beings. Um, Mental aspects, our use of abstract language, the fact that I'm up here speaking and you're understanding, that's part of of how, in a sense, that we are like God. All of those things, if you think about it, animals don't sit around like this. You know, they don't, I mean, unless it's at SeaWorld and they set them up and make it look like that. But who did that? We, man man did. We trained them. Um, They don't, they're animals and we're not. Um, But in the fall, God's image is distorted, but it's not lost and um, even though men are sinful there is still enough likeness to God remaining in them that to murder another person to shed blood is to attack the part of creation that most resembles God and that's, that's what makes abortion so wrong is because you're killing the image of God something that is in the image of God um, James three nine says speaking of the tongue with it we bless our Lord and Father and with it we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God that's men generally not just believers so it's all men are made in the image and likeness of God I've kind of thought, well, no, no, no. It's just believers are made in the image of God. That's not what God's word says. Since man has sinned, he is certainly not as fully like God as he was before. Though man is still in the image of God in every aspect of life, some parts of that image have been distorted or lost. The good news for believers, our redemption in Christ means that we can even in this life progressively grow into more and more likeness to God. And Colossians 3.10 says, being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. So as we spend time in God's word and we know him, we are becoming more and more like Jesus. And this is like one of those, I think, comforting truths. Throughout this life, As we grow in Christian maturity, we grow in greater likeness to God. Romans 8.29 says, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his Son, so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. Every single Every single human being, no matter how much the image of God is marred by sin or illness or weakness or age or any other disability, still has the status of being in God's image and therefore must be treated with dignity and respect that is due to God's image bearer. And this is still Grudem. Men and women are made equally in God's image, and both men and women reflect God's character in their lives. But if we are equally in God's image, then certainly men and women are important to God and equally valuable to Him. We have equal worth before Him for all eternity. The fact that both men and women are said by Scripture to be in the image of God should exclude all feelings of pride or inferiority and any idea that one sex is better or worse than the other. In particular, in contrast to many non-Christian cultures and religions, no one should feel proud or superior because he is a man, and no one should feel disappointed or inferior because she is a woman. If God thinks us to be equal in value then that settles the question for God's evaluation is the true standard of personal value for all eternity. So today we're going to take a look at one of Grace Bible Church's biblical convictions. And I have one more pop quiz. And some of you probably know it depending on whose small group you're in. I found that out on Saturday. How many biblical convictions does Grace Bible Church have? Does anybody know? Take a stab. Cass, how many? Nine? Nine? Not yet. We have eight. We have eight. Yeah, somebody knew that in on Saturday morning. I'm like, how did you know that? It's like, because our small group's going through it. And I thought, what a great idea for a small group to go through the church's biblical convictions. And I, I want um, to tell you, they're called convictions for a reason. They're not called distinctions for a reason but they're called convictions because elders are convinced by scripture that this is how our church should you know, these are convictions that the church has and we follow these okay, so we have eight of them and rather than just tell you we have eight I'm going to read them quickly to you because I think Who's? Maybe I'm not supposed to do this. Oh, well. Um, How many of you have been through the membership class? Okay, quite a few. So it's probably, if it hasn't been recent, it's maybe been a while since you've been through them. Um, So I'm just going to rocket ship right through the eight of them. The first one is the centrality of God's Word. And we know that. That's why we teach verse by verse on Sundays, That's why we encourage everybody to be reading their Bibles. Um, That's why the Bible is the standard. Um, The second one, the vision and purpose of the church is the glory of God, the cross of Christ, life transformation by the Spirit, drawing in, building up, and sending out. The third one, the mission of the gospel. Fourth, the doctrines of grace. That's how we're saved. Five, the doctrine of sanctification which is living the Christian life by the power and promises of the gospel six is the doctrine of sin and that includes um, church discipline so if you've been through the membership class you understand how Grace Bible Church handles church discipline number seven which is what where we're going we're still in the intro believe it or not um, biblical manhood and womanhood in our church and then eight is the literal six day creation and I know because I was able to ask my husband there's a possibility that we will have additional convictions sometime in the future Um, so on your handout there is a definition of complementarian and that is spiritual equality before God and role Differentiation, and I'm going to say differences today instead of saying that word I cannot pronounce 25 times. So it's it means it's supposed to be differentiation, but I don't want to say it. So for men and women in the church and Christian families. So the so biblical conviction number seven is um, we we're going to see the spiritual equality and role differences. As we survey the Bible from beginning to end, we see God establishing two realities for men and women. Spiritual equality before God and role differences for men and women in the church and in Christian families. This biblical view of manhood and womanhood is called a complementarian view of manhood and womanhood. And again, that definition is on on your outline. So I want to look at the two realities that God has established for men and women according to his word. So the Old Testament, spiritual equality, man and women are equally created in the image of God. And that's why we took all that time looking at what is being made in the image of God. And neither one, man nor woman, has more or less of God's image than the other. It's not like men have, like 99% we have 40%. We have the same amount of God's image. Man and woman are equally totaled by sin. So neither one is more sinful than others, than the other. We all stand before God on equal footing there we're all totaled by sin and again Genesis 1 and 27 let us make man in our image and then it's God created man in his own image in the image of God he created him male and female he created them there's no question about that it's male and female but sin distorted their God given differences sin did not introduce it and that's important to understand um, sin did not make that the roles didn't come after okay and we see that in Genesis 3:16 through 19 where it talks about um, I it, it's in the curse to the woman he said, I will greatly multiply, multiply your pain in childbirth. In pain you will bring forth children. Yet your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. Then to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife, and have eaten from the tree about which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In toil you will eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall grow for you, and you will eat the plants of the field." By the sweat of your face you will eat bread till you return to the ground because from it you were taken for you are dust and to dust you shall return. That shows how we were totaled by sin, both men and women. Um, We were equally impacted by sin's presence and power. We were both unable to change our sinful condition and both Adam and Eve, men and women, are in need of salvation. So God's purpose for creating woman was God created man first, then woman. And God had an order in mind when he created, an order that's linked to their different roles. The Lord said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. Out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the sky and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called a living creature, that was its name. And the man named everything, but there was not a helper suitable for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and he slept. Then he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh at that place. The Lord God fashioned into a woman the rib which he had taken from the man and brought her to the man. The man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man for this reason a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife and they shall become one flesh Adam needed a helper and God both instructs and confronts the first human pair through the man that shows the order prior to and after the fall. So sin distorted our God-given differences, but it didn't introduce it. The Lord God took the man, put him into the Garden of Eden to cultivate it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man. So you see God commanding and instructing the man first in the Garden. He He said, from any tree of the garden you may eat freely, but from the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat from it you will surely die. But then after sin, and remember it was Eve who took the apple and took that bite, and then Adam was standing right there with her. Um, But who did God call to? Did God say, hey Eve, what did you do no he God went to Adam the Lord God called to the man and said to him where are you this order is linked to the roles not to the spiritual equality the order doesn't diminish our spiritual equality it enhances and promotes our roles in Jesus we see spiritual equality Jesus dramatically emphasized a woman's spiritual equality with man in the midst of a woman-demeaning Greek, Roman, and even Jewish culture. We see Jesus kind of change the whole scene. Um, he, Jesus used illustrations and images that were familiar to and useful for women. And the The examples are on, um, the scriptures are given on your handout. Um, One was the kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid three pecks of flour until it was all leavened. There's an example of women grinding in the field. Um, And then another example is what woman, if she has ten silver coins and loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? Jesus used examples that women would understand, and he used women as examples. Not in a, in a bad way, but in a good way. Jesus revealed himself as Messiah to women. That, you think about it, in that culture, that was unprecedented. Jesus taught women directly. We see that when Mary is sitting at his feet, being taught he is teaching her that didn't happen Jesus touched women and allowed them to touch him Jesus allowed women to travel with him and the disciples women were not just off and excluded and after his resurrection Jesus revealed himself first to a woman that was unprecedented that did not happen in that time so, the role differentiation, Jesus did nothing, though, to exalt women to a place of spiritual leadership over men. And if there was a time, if Jesus thought this isn't right, these women need to be in those roles of leadership, he would have been the one to correct it. But he did not do that. It would have been at that time through Jesus, but he did not. Rather, Jesus affirms what Revelation has already taught, that women are spiritually equal with men before God. And he he elevated women out of the culturally sinful view of the day, but Jesus also affirmed that God-given role differences from the Older Testament as well. So, looking at the rest of the New Testament and spiritual equality, women are spiritual equals with men in redemption. Gender was not taken into account when God designed and carried out redemption through Jesus' atoning work. Galatians 3.28 says, There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor nor free man. There is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And we see women as a valuable part of God's order and God's creation. An example, Acts 18.26, Priscilla and Aquila. Um, they were in Centria and um, let me go back they, they were now in Ephesus and there's a Jew named Apollos an Alexandrian by birth an eloquent man he came to Ephesus and he was mighty in the scriptures this man had been instructed in the way of the Lord and being fervent in spirit he was speaking and teaching accurately the things concerning Jesus being acquainted only with the baptism of John So we've got this man and he began to speak out boldly in the synagogue. But when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. So Priscilla and Aquila, as a husband and wife, came alongside another man and helped correct his thinking. Now, she's not in a position of leadership, that she's alongside her husband. So there is that, the The ground is level at the, the foot of the cross. There is a priesthood of all believers. It's not where women, we can't ever say anything. There is a place where we're not supposed to say things, but one-on-one, but to be up front if there were men in here, no, that's wrong. Um, Philippians 4, 2, and 3, women shared in the struggle of advancing the gospel with Paul. Judea and Sintiki, they Paul refers to them, says, Indeed, true companion, I ask you also to help these women who have shared my struggle in the cause of the gospel. Paul mentions them that those two women helped. They were struggling in the cause of the gospel. So it's not that women have no role And then 1 Peter 3, 7. Wives were to be viewed by their Christians' husbands as fellow heirs of the grace of life. You husbands, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way as with someone weaker since she is a woman and show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life. That's how we're to be viewed. We are fellow heirs of the grace of life. Our role differences, though. Paul, under no less inspiration of the Holy Spirit than in all those preceding verses, defines different roles for men and women, both in the church and in the Christian home. The next passages reveal the roles and responsibilities of men and women in the church. For leadership in the church, The elders and deacons are offices filled by men. And the teaching responsibility rests on the men. That's God's design. Men have responsibility to display Christ, his loving servant leadership toward the body. And women, we have the role that God has given us to display the supportive and submissive character of the church in her relationship to the Savior we follow the lead of our elders and deacons. Even as women ministering to women, it is under the oversight of the elders. The elders know what goes on with the women. It's not, we have our women's ministries and we're out over here by ourselves. The men know what's going on and they care and they spend time and they pray for us and they oversee and that's, that's important. We we are very fortunate to have that at our church. Um, within the church, um, the women are to keep silent in the churches. This is 1 Corinthians 14, for they are not permitted to speak but are to subject themselves, just as the law also says. What that means is we're not to be up front teaching to the men of the church that's just not the way it's supposed to be and i know that we're unusual that way um there are many 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 churches that women they've got women pastors women lead teaching pastors and it's just not the way it's supposed to be um and First Timothy 2:8 through 15, you can read that, and and it talks more about what the women's role in the church is, um, in our homes, and in marriage. In marriage, we see the same principles at work. Husbands are to love their wives like Christ loves the church, and we are submit to submit to our husbands as to the Lord. And I will say this. um, That verse where in Ephesians where it talks about, it doesn't say, wives are to submit to their husbands as to the Lord if their husband loves them like Christ loves the church. It doesn't say that. We are called to submit to our husbands. Period. And just that one little there is that asterisk when is it okay not to submit to your husband if they ask you to sin that's it if they're asking you to sin you respectfully don't submit i won't say anything more (laughs) That's, that's another lecture that's another day um, but we are to be subject to our own husbands. And remember, when if you're having a hard time submitting to your husband, do it as to the Lord. If it's something that you're really struggling with, just remember I'm going to submit to my husband as to the Lord. Because I'm because I love Jesus, I'm going to do this. Um Colossians three eighteen through twenty one is another: wives, be subject to your husbands, as is fitting in the Lord. It's always in the Lord, and that will help. First um, Peter three one through seven talks about in the same way you wives be submissive to your own husbands, and if you go back to the prior chapter, it's talking about Jesus entrusting himself to the Lord when he is being cursed and insulted. We, we are to be submissive to our own husbands, so that even if any of them are disobedient to the word, they may be won without a word by the behavior of their wives. Um, as sinful genders who have come to taste God's glory and life-transforming work through the cross of Jesus, we see something beautiful and exalted in our biblical manhood and womanhood and i am this part i'm reading right from what's part of our biblical convictions we do not tolerate a patriarchal outdated view of the genders because that is what our tradition dictates we embrace the spiritual equality and the role differences given us from our sovereign god why God has something to reveal about himself through both our spiritual equality and our role differences. For instance, man and woman, that's two, gives to us a simpler picture of who our triune three in God, three in one God is. There is spiritual equality within the Godhead, but role differences between the members as well. 1 Corinthians 11.3 says, But I want you to understand that Christ is the head of every man, and the man is the head of a woman, and God is the head of Christ. We are eager that God be seen within our church family and our nuclear families as we rejoice in our spiritual equality at the cross as well as obediently embrace these distinct roles he has given us. God has given us, as women, a privilege. It, it, we, are, we are different than men, and that's a good thing. And I think our, we are living in a time where I even heard it on the Olympics. I was watching the, the women snowboarding, and I'm like, mm-hmm. well, first of all, I would be absolutely terrified. I wouldn't even want to go up on the, the lift. That would be freaky but I mean they're up in the air flying through the air on these snowboards but the commentators kept talking about how much these look at what these women are doing two years ago women couldn't do that now they're doing what men are doing and I'm thinking even in that there's that subtle undercurrent of wanting to make women be like men that's not what God has for us. We are called to be women. We are created in God's image as women. And that's a blessing from God. And so often I think, you know, it's that grass is greener on the other side. We say, oh, if only I were a man, then I could do this, that, and the other thing. No, be glad where God has you and what he has for for us as women and we need to encourage one another in that and and be thankful to the Lord and be thankful that we're in a church that sees that there are role differences that's not a bad thing that is a good thing that is a blessing from God it's God's order and when you see churches where the women are all in charge Terrifying. It is a scary place. And and so praise God, we are at a place where our elders are following what God's Word says. And we we can line up under that and support that and and be glad for that. So let's pray. And we've got like five extra minutes, so we can turn the thing off and ask questions if you want. So please pray with me. Father, thank you that you have given us your word so that you, so that we may know how you want us to live, Lord. Lord, I do pray that we will be women that will, will honor you in our actions, that we will line up under the elders, that we will, that we will follow the um, the pattern that you have given us Lord thank you that you did make us in your image that is an amazing thing to think about God um, you are good to us you care for us, you love us and we thank you in Jesus name Amen